They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nothing spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. These Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Well, it's finally here. It is Thursday. It's game day. ETSU men's basketball hosting the Wofford Terriers. And what will be the game of the night? In all of college basketball, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, another great edition of Sandos and the Sidekick. We're going to be talking about that, the first two segments, heavy ETSU side of things to lead things off. Jim Noble, play-by-play man of Wofford Terriers in his first season, will join us that second segment to break down the game from the Terriers' side of the court. And then we'll talk to Crazy Coach. We'll get some of his bites, thoughts, maybe ask his uh, opinion. He's tied into a lot of basketball uh, gurus, want to know maybe his thoughts on today's game. And then last but not least, uh, Trey Adams in uh, four quarters. Quarters. At least I remember the name this time. Four quarters. I realize four quarters works for football, too. Is it bad that I'm just realizing that, like, five months into the show? You know, (laughs) I mean, in fairness. Why do we just do four quarters the whole time? That's good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Technically, why is it four quarters now? Because we play two halves in men's basketball. Uh, Four quarters in women's basketball. That's what I was going to go with. We do have an out because the women's basketball has four quarters. And and we like to answer four questions. True. So, all right, let's start uh, with – well, let's actually backtrack. We'll get into the Wofford Terry game in just a little bit. Signing day real quick. We had a little bit of time to kind of – it was fast and furious yesterday. We delayed the show. We had a – I don't know if – 30, 40-minute epic uh, uh, Put out just a marathon. Yeah, sure we did, and uh, th- which I think was warranted. And certainly looking at the people that have viewed it, they certainly wanted to uh, get our take on it or at least hear what we had to say about some of the recru- recruiting at the FCS level is a little challenging sometimes because it's not as household names as, as some of the the bigger programs of the world. On the I look FCS for some level. rankings. Are there rankings out there? There will be on Monday. I Brian you, McLaughlin and his, go his crew. Maybe have him on. Will, yep, and uh, I thought about that. I'm sure he's already kind of scheduled. I figure in a couple weeks we'll, we'll – uh, uh, and I've uh, not sent the email yet. I've typed up sort of formulated what I, how I'm going to ask it. But I think he'll do it. He, now, he did put out his top 20 biggest surprise players in where they went or upsets. And I thought it was interesting that ETSU, I think, was number 14. Hmm. Um, obviously, the, the, the get and, – and how he sort of ranked it was guys that were had either Power 5 offers, the number of FBS offers, or if they had committed somewhere else. And Tyler Rodell was the one uh, that ETSU had picked up. There were four, I think, Southern Conference teams that were on the list – um, Western Carolina got a, a major upset by getting a defensive lineman out out of Chattanooga, actually. Wow. Uh, and so uh, I think he held – he had the second most FBS offers on the table and decided to go Western Carolina. Furman got a linebacker that, from uh, Georgia that also had, uh, I think, a lot of offers. And Wofford got a guy in ETSU. So, so four of the top 20, according to him, biggest upsets. And, again, he kind of quantified it with this is – 
the situation of, of what we're doing with um, did they have and it was sort of, and he gave the rankings. Was it a true uh, Power Five offer? Was it FBS offers? Was it FCS offers? Then he gave it. Was it a, a six star? And what he means was it a three star by both. Uh, recruiting services and if both recruiting services gave it a three star then he gave it a six star and then so anyway he had a nice little formula on, on how he did it to explain that but he will have it out soon and we'll see exactly um, you know what exactly it looks like for the overall recruiting class for ETSU not just in the Southern Conference but in the all of FCS and where he felt like ETSU fell yeah and Riddell he reported it yesterday and has it on that page as well Central Florida. I mean, that's a huge name. That's a quote-unquote national champion at the FBS level from a couple of years back and a program that is always going to be, or it seems like they have established themselves at least over the last couple of years, as a top 10, top 15 program in the country at the FBS level. And then Florida Atlantic, and, of course, he was committed to Akron. So those are big names to be able to get a guy in a position of need that ETSU is at quarterback to say forget those perhaps higher exposure places to come to ETSU be at the FCS level and I'm guessing one of coach's big selling points was hey you're really going to have a chance to make an impact right from the get and we talked about it yesterday I I think that you and me both kind of had the hunch that Logan Marchi was not going to be at ETSU going forward but we and that was confirmed right for well for, for for obvious reasons we couldn't exactly just break that news out on air but coach Sanders yesterday when asked at the press conference did indeed confirm yeah Logan Marchie will not be back with the program so Austin Herrick and Logan Marchie the top two quarterbacks from last year not with ETSU this coming season so that means Riddell Tyreek Sandusky and the couple other quarterbacks that were uh, brought in or already on the roster I think are going to have the chance to compete for that spot and as I discussed yesterday I think Riddell is going to be that favorite not only because he was brought in as kind of the pure quarterback in this class with the highest acclaim, but also because Sandusky, Cam Lewis, some others, I think there's maybe some potential with now a little bit of a loaded quarterback position in terms of at least competition for that starting spot. Perhaps there's a possibility to move one of those guys to maybe a different position. We'll see how things go, but I think Riddell will be the favorite, and I'm sure he's excited to have that chance right from the first step on campus. Well, it's all about learning curve, right? How how quickly can they learn the advantage for the guys on campus it'll be the second year terminology what they're looking for the checks the audibles the balances everything and that's where the returners have an advantage exactly and i think last year it's up in the air and i think coach was pretty brutally honest yesterday sanders that is insane look we're going to spring practice and it's you know that never had jobs open you know, and when they end spring practice, we're probably not going to know who it is. And then in the fall, we're going to go through it, and hopefully in August we know. But if it goes into September, it goes into October, whenever it is, somebody's going to win the job. You know, and I think he referenced without really referencing last year, like, you know, we didn't know up until the first game who was going to be the quarterback. And in the week of, we said, okay, here's our guy. And then there was still a little bit of a competition. We had a new guy come in. He was actually the old guy. And, you know, and he became the guy. So I, there you go. I thought, just to put a wrap on from my end, the important comment yesterday from Coach Sanders in the press conference, which you could have heard on AM640 WXSM, or if you want to go and listen back to it, it is on Facebook on the ETSU Buccaneer Athletics Facebook page carried live there and also archived. I thought the important comment was from Coach Sanders, we're all right with losing recruiting battles to, you know, the two lanes, a kid that was going to choose between ETSU and Tulane. What with Tulane, which is, of course, a quote-unquote level 
up from uh, the FCS at the FBS level. If you're losing battles against those group of five or other five quote-unquote conferences at the FBS level, but you are out-recruiting the Waffords, the uh, schools that maybe just went to FBS like a UNA um, and some other powers around FCS, if you're out-recruiting those schools, I mean, what an incredible – uh, what an incredible amount of ground covered for ETSU in terms of recruiting from day one of the program being restarted to now. I mean, and that's otherworldly to think that you can come that far in that many years. So losing out to those group of five, other five programs, I think that's to be expected for some. It's much like what Steve Forbes said about Mac McClung. There's going to be recruits that are looking to say, yep, I'm an FBS football player. I'm on TV these days, those type of things. But you're not going to hold that against a kid because everyone has different priorities. With ETSU, it seems like they're getting a very high quality of football player and certainly some that could go and get those, you know, get that TV time, have a chance to play at the FBS level, but they're choosing ETSU, and that's refreshing, especially just four years into a program being restarted. I thought the other thing uh, he said was, you know, we just lost out on him. Let's say it doesn't work out in a couple of years. Right. You never know. You know, do, we built that relationship, and that's sort of how he got Jamal Couch, the wide receiver, uh, Mississippi, State. Mississippi State, for the simple reason because they had that relationship, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out there. He was able to, to come back, and now you got a six foot four wide receiver out there for guys to throw to, which ETSU didn't have last year. So we'll talk recruiting over the next couple weeks. We'll get Brian McLaughlin on. We'll also uh, working to get head coach Randy Sanders once the kind of dust settles for him. Get his thoughts on here on the podcast. Tonight, though, huge game, Massive. Freedom Hall, 7 o'clock, ETSU offered. It's unfortunate, I think, these two teams played December 1st. They did. It happened. ETSU got beaten not as bad as I think the score did. What shocked me was how bad they got killed on the glass. They were minus 17 in that game. And that's kind of the one outlier this year, right, is ETSU has beat up pretty much everybody inside with Jerome Rodriguez and Milad Narmas the entire year, and then, of course, Lucas Goussaint over the last uh, month and a half or so, uh, whatever the time frame's been now since he has been eligible for ETSU. And I don't see things going that way tonight. I I think that Steve Forbes is uh, much too good of a coach to have that type. And obviously players play the game, right? But I think there's schematically some things you can do. There's some motivational things you can do to make sure that your players, those that are crashing the glass, which hopefully is all five on the court, are not in that position again to in such a key aspect of the game, and one where they've figured it out pretty much all of the other, what, 22 games that they've played this year, it's not going to happen like that again. Wofford's going to have to do, I think, some other things that don't involve rebounding. They can't count on that again because ETSU's just got too good of a track record. Now, you look at Wofford since, obviously they've been very good before they were very good. Their losses are North Carolina, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Mississippi State. I mean, that's a pretty impressive group of losses, and none of them have really been, aside from that Kansas game that got a little out of hand, none of them have really been blowouts. I mean, 11, 11, then that 25-point loss to Kansas, and, heck, another 11-point loss, three of those coming on the road. So they haven't had a bad loss all year. If they lose to ETSU, it will not be a bad loss. I think tonight's game is huge, and there's been some outlets out there that think the same. This is, I think you mentioned to me off air, one of the ten biggest mid-major games the rest of the way. And ETSU is going to be ready. I think this is a chance now that ETSU is more in the conference field, because you're absolutely right, December 1st, 
it, 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 I don't want to say it wasn't fair because that sounds like I'm complaining about the scheduling, and I think Coach Forbes would tell you the same. He doesn't want to complain about the scheduling, but to have that huge of a game at that time where you're really still trying to figure out who you are, your identity, who's going to carry the load, who's going to do what on the team, figuring out roles, working on chemistry, it, it just wasn't right to me because you want the two best teams in the Southern Conference, at least in my opinion, and UNCG and Furman will have stakes to that as well if they hear this, but you want them at their best when they come together the two times that they do play each other. And I, I think the the thing, because the coaches, and this is what the coaches did, they wanted to vote to not play the week of the conference tournament, not play that Monday. Well, there's no other way to work it because there are certain things out of your control, like VMI can't play one Saturday because that's when they do a – like a graduation ceremony and all these, you know, military folks come in and governors and senators. And so it's a, nobody can miss and it's a huge deal. And for them, for people that go to school there for four, they deserve that. Right. So I'm, I'm not saying VMI should change what they're doing. I'm just saying that it's just the fact. So they miss a weekend. There's a, you know, UNCG only has access to their building certain times. ETSU's build access to their, but so to get everything to work, right. They had to play one early game. Everyone played their quote unquote travel partner except for Wofford and Furman because they argued to the league that they should have to play. That that rivalry is such that it is, they need to move it. So this year, somehow, that meant Western Carolina played Furman, ETSU played Wofford. Next year, ETSU's early December game is Western Carolina. So Wofford and Furman are not playing each other again. So some other team is going to get hosed by playing a early December 1st against Wofford or Furman on the road and instead of them playing each other. So I don't I don't have the answer. I don't know if like playing an extra game from Christmas to New Year's is the way and I, you know again that's uh, all above me but the coaches voted on some of this. They wanted to not play on that Monday. To me you play on Monday, you've got to Saturday. I don't understand Saturday Saturday is seven you know seven days off but uh, and then I just don't get what the Monday deal is. I guess maybe somebody traveling on Monday had to get back late than Tuesday. I don't, I'm not sure. But they, they were more concerned about that. And what that did, it threw a monkey wrench in to how the scheduling ended up working. Regardless, so Wofford is 11-0 in the conference. We all know they're undefeated. They've been extremely impressive. The couple games that I want to point out are the Mercer contest, because that was a four-point game. And then, obviously, well, the first Mercer contest, I should say, for them. And then, obviously, the Sanford game where Storm Murphy hits like a one-footed fadeaway from 18 feet to win at the buzzer. You look at those games, and the teams across from Wofford, Sanford Mercer, had 37 combined rebounds the entire game. That's two full games, and they had 37 combined rebounds, which is absolutely insane. ETSU, I... Don't think that they're going to have enough missed shots to grab 37 rebounds tonight, but it is interesting to see on the rebounding point that you made that when Wofford is winning tight games, they're winning that rebounding margin. If you can get them off of that and you can have your usual success on the boards, I think if you keep the game close, there's going to be a certain pace and tone that's set by rebounding and winning the battle on the glass, much like ETSU did not do in that first game where you'll have that advantage late. And Steve Forbes and yourself are absolutely right about that first game. I think Coach Forbes laid it out pretty well. ETSU had a layup on one end to get it to six right, and then he didn't get the call. Followed the ref down court, got the double T. That's four free throws. The three as well that Wofford got, and all of a sudden, it's a 15-point game, and they win by 17. So that was technically a close game as well, but with the Stanford and the Mercer games that I'm trying to tie in, if you can win that battle on the glass and also turnovers, you look – Really, Sanford and Mercer hurt themselves a bit. 33 combined turnovers. Take care of the ball. 
win the battle on the glass, and maybe I'm not, you know, shattering the earth with this type of news, but if you win on the boards and you take care of the ball, you're putting yourself in a position to be in the game late, if not ahead late, and put the game away, and I think that you can against Wofford with some of the playmakers that you have. Wofford, one of the worst three-point shooting games against ETSU at home. They were 1 of 10 in the first half, 6 of 12 in the second, so 7 of 22, 32%. If Bucks can hold them to 32% again from three, considering they're averaging 11 makes a game, I think that's a win to begin with. ETSU wasn't bad from outside, 9 of 20, 45%. That's one of their better three-point days, uh, minus a Patrick Good outburst here and there. But to me, the disappointing thing that really cost them was inside play. So the we've, we know ETSU's got very high percentage shooters in the post play, but in that game in particular, ETSU was 2 of 16 from their post, just 13%. On the season, including that game, ETSU is 57% from their post. Every post guy taking out a, a Corley who played the, the one game before the injury, taking him out on the season, every post player plays is 57%. They're going to have to do that. Now, Matthew Pegram hasn't played a game or two lately. He hurt ETSU inside with his physical play. I think if he's not going today and ETSU can pound the basketball inside and they get Cam Jackson in foul trouble, I think Wofford's in a world of hurt because then ETSU can take advantage of inside play without Cam Jackson and without Pegram. Now, they still got Aluva. They got Trevor Stumpback. Trump's an undersized four, though. He's more like a Bo Hodges type four. So I feel like that's going to be an advantage. But ETSU's going to have to shoot from the post players. They're going to have to be around 50% or greater, I think, if they're going to win this game today. The other thing that I'd like to point out matchup-wise throughout the conference here is that Furman game, another close one where it was 54-54 with like a minute 20 to go, and Wofford got the last five points. Fletcher McGee had 22 no one else had more than seven. So he had 22 of their 59, 37 points from everybody else. I, I know you want to win the battle down low, take away Cam Jackson, get him in foul trouble, and let your bigs kind of feast down in the paint. But your old philosophy of, and I believe I remember us talking about this the first time that ETSU and Wofford played, Fletcher McGee is going to get his takeaway everybody else. I think that could be a recipe for success as well because, quite honestly, if we're looking at style of game that's going to be played and how this game is going to unfold, I actually kind of see it going like the Furman-Wofford game. I don't necessarily think it's going to be one of those games to the mid-70s into the lower 80s, which I think for ETSU is good because there's not a lot of teams, and ETSU may be one, but there's not a lot of teams that are going to win a race to the high 70s or low 80s against Wofford. If it is down in the 50s or 60s, I think ETSU has a very good shot in a, once again, tight game to even the series up with Wofford, give them their first conference loss, and really make it a free-for-all at the top of the league between ETSU, UNCG, Wofford, and Furman. Well, that's ETSU's side of it. Let's get Jim Noble's thoughts on today's game between ETSU and Wofford. He's going to join us via the telephone as he drives in from, uh, actually, Charlotte uh, to do the game tonight. So we'll talk to Jim Noble on the other side of this timeout. You're listening to Santos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet. Or tardiness. Run two minutes late in the morning, and you're a half hour late to work. Come on. But good things come from multiplying, too, like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead. Enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. 
Learn more about Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Food City is excited for another thrilling basketball season with the ETSU Buccaneers. Even when slicing up the finest cuts of beef, selecting the freshest produce, or preparing the sweetest baked goods, we live and breathe navy and gold. So go get them, Bucks. On your quest for a Southern Conference championship and beyond, Food City is with you every step of the way. Food City, official supermarket of ETSU Athletics. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Sanders to the sidekick back with you. Segment two on, you know, segment one we talked about, ETSU Wofford did it from an ETSU perspective. Now we have the pleasure of being joined by first-year play-by-play man for the Wofford Terriers, Jim Noble. And Jim joined us during the football season to break down the game, but now he's going to join us before he heads this way to Johnson City to have tonight's call from the Terriers side of things. And, Jim, first of all, thank you for taking the time again and uh, hope you have a safe trip over Sam's Gap. Thank you, man. I've, I've done it so many times for NASCAR going to Bristol. This will be uh, a little bit different. We always stayed in Johnson City for uh, when we did uh, some of the ESPN races back in the day and some of the radio races. So I think my car can go that go there automatically. I just need to know when to turn off and head to, head to campus. Well, it's off campus, so uh, if it gets you on campus, which, which uh, and let me tell you, don't ask for ETSU fan directions either. They, they're not going to give you the right direction, so you may just okay, have to. Okay, good, uh, good. I will say I this. There are a lot of people that, uh, when we had you on during the football season, that sent me a message afterwards that said, you know, hey, I didn't realize uh, Jim's doing Wofford Terriers. I really enjoyed him and his NASCAR coverage and all that. And then they also preface this with, and now I can't pull for him anymore. So I, I don't want you to take that personal, <laughs> but uh, complimentary yeah, of you in one. I think I cut out a significant portion of my fan base when you take all the other SOCON schools out of, uh, 
you know, folks that are also NASCAR fans. It's been great. I love getting back into it. Um, you know, I did college sports for, you know, from a local TV standpoint and then a regional standpoint with Fox for, for years and years. And then when in Charlotte, you know, you kind of get sucked into the NASCAR deal. And, and it, was a, it was a fun 10 years in NASCAR. I wouldn't trade the experience, but I always – always was going to get back into it and all of a sudden i woke up and i said man i'm not getting any younger i better do this while i still have a, a chance and uh, the folks have offered been great it's been great to kind of go around and see how the the, the the conference has changed venues have changed you guys have a you know certainly um no more trips to the dome for me i can't wait to see the new football stadium this fall i can't wait to see the atmosphere at freedom hall tonight well, it should be electric uh, tickets if there's any left. They're a very slim uh, number uh, as far as when we're taping this in the middle uh, mid-morning. Jim, let's talk X's nose. My thing is I, I think everyone knew about Fletcher McGee. Certainly people know about Cam Jackson. I think Wofford, the biggest surprise and what's helped them turn the corner to be as dominant as they have has been the emergence of Nathan Hoover. Your thoughts? Yeah, he can be very streaky, but when he's on, he's on. And and obviously what he allows the Terriers to do now is, you know, when Fletcher's getting double teamed, and he was he gets double teamed outside the perimeter. You guys have seen him in action before. Now Wofford's got one, if not two more, outside shooting options. And Uber dropped 30 on South Carolina earlier this year. He, he's had, I think, four or five 20-point games or more. Um, he's very streaky. Like I said, he didn't have a particularly good shooting night against ETSU in the first matchup many, many moons ago, way back in December, but none of the Terriers particularly did. Um, so, you know, in a game that's going to come down to defense rebounding, if you can have that one guy who can, who can stretch things a little bit, then you can't always count on McGee to be that guy. Hoover really fills that void, and he's, uh, he's been a huge part of this team so far. Let's talk a little bit about the, the first matchup, and I thought uh, Wofford did a great job, and normally ETSU is uh, one of the more physical teams, if not the most physical team in the league, and I thought Wofford did a good job of just taking the physicality right at ETSU. Yeah, and I think that there were a couple of reasons for that. It was obviously it was, it was in Spartanburg, and, and that was a help. Um, you know, I think this is tonight is going to come down to rebounding, and Wofford had a tremendous rebounding game. I don't know if hardly anybody's out-rebounded ETSU, and Wofford did it by 14 in that first game. I don't think the Terriers can count on Jerome Rodriguez to go 2 for 12 from the field and only have 7 rebounds. I think Rodriguez is going to have a much better game. I don't think they can count on Trey Boyd to have a bad shooting night, and I don't think Bo Hodges was was actually really healthy in that first meeting. I think he was just, correct me if I'm wrong, working his way back um, into the lineup, and he actually had a, had a really nice game. So a lot of things, Jay, really went Wofford's way in that first game. But teams are so different now than they were in early December. Uh, Wofford won't have Matthew Peglin tonight. They're big guy off the bench. And in the two games they played without Pegram, they've really gotten into a lot of foul trouble. They're thin up front right now without Pegram, and he's probably out for maybe another week or two with, with a bad ankle. So I think this is going to be inside. I think it's going to be rebounding. I think it's going to be defense, and, and you mentioned the physicality too. Jim, it's Mike. You talk about rebounding. That's something we focused in on in segment one as well. 
you can't point to any conference losses, of course, for Wofford because they've been perfect in the league so far. But there are those three kind of closer games, Sanford, Mercer, and Furman. And in two of those, you look and the Sanford and Mercer contest, they were limited to 33 combined rebounds or something like that, which was just incredible to see that kind of performance on the glass. And so it seems like when it comes down to late in the game and having some success on the glass like Wofford did those games, they can kind of rely on that. It may not always be just that one opportunity that they get. And then the other philosophy thing that we've talked about on the show previously is taking Fletcher McGee away and while everyone else may get, or excuse me, letting Fletcher McGee get his and taking away everyone else, much like Furman did in the game where really they were pretty even on the glass, Wofford and Furman, but I think Fletcher had his 22 and no one else had more than seven points, so it seems like with those two points, there can be some success had for opponents. I can see that, yeah, and Fletcher, it's funny, Fletcher really hasn't gone off, you know, he hasn't had that like the Chapel Hill game a year ago with everybody remembers, or the, the 45 he had against Chattanooga last year. He, um, I, I think at the beginning of the season, he was pressing. He, he, look, he got a ton of attention. There were all these articles being written about how he was the best shooter in America and all that. And, and I think there was a lot of pressure on Fletcher, probably from within himself, early in the year. I think the last four or five games, as the other guys have really contributed, I think Fletcher's kind of chilled out a little bit so we wonder if he's going to have one of those you know five six seven three-pointer games uh that he had so often in his junior season but i i think you've hit on the the, the rebounding thing too i think wofford there's a number i've got to double check it but i think they're 17 and one when they out rebound their opponents mm-hmm. and the one loss was kansas they out rebounded kansas even though they lost by 25 they were actually leading that game in the second half and then got blitzed in the second half. That's the key right there. I don't think you could point to a better stat. So I mean, if you can, if you can keep the terriers off the boards, you can, you can beat them. And I'm sure Whopper's probably saying the same thing about ETSU, given their rebounding numbers as well. There hasn't really been a bad loss this year for Wofford, right? I mean, I think it's Oklahoma, Kansas, Mississippi State, and I'm spacing on the other Power 5 school. But uh, North Carolina. North Carolina, yeah. thank you, in the first game of the year, and that was their only home loss. Haven't lost at home in, like, two months. So there hasn't really been a bad loss. There's only four losses to look at. Do you remember anything from those games, any common denominator that you can point to to say, well, the opponent did this or the opponent took this away or this is the reason that they were able to get the victory against a team that doesn't get beat very often? You know, they, they in all of those games, they, they had a lull in the second half that really, really bit them. They led Oklahoma at halftime. They were within five of Mississippi State. They were within three of Carolina, and they led Kansas at halftime. Mm. And in all four of those games, for whatever reason, they went through a, a six- to eight-minute stretch in the second half where things just absolutely got out of hand, made bad decisions offensively, didn't rebound, didn't box out, didn't play defense. And, you know, it's funny how you bring those games up. It, it seems like an eon ago that, that we played those teams. Um, they've had struggles, you know, the, the two games against Sanford, the two wins, neither one, or excuse me, the, the, the two games against Mercer, I should say, neither one was easy. Mercer, for some reason, matched up really well with Wofford and, and had a shot to win both games. Um, I, I think I think some teams stylistically give them trouble. If, if a team has one big guy who can crash the boards and then one guy who can stroke it from the outside, those seem to be the teams 
that have given Wofford trouble. A team that kind of plays vanilla offense or vanilla defense, they seem to handle pretty well. But but an inside-outside threat is the one thing that's given Wofford trouble. Conversely, what do you think Wofford does extremely well when they are hitting on all cylinders that gives opponents trouble? Lately, they haven't been turning the ball over. Mm. Uh, the point guard, Storm Murphy, and then the freshman, Ryan Larson, who's been a real revelation um, coming in and, and playing bigger minutes, they haven't turned the ball over. Um, their shot selection, I can't remember the last time I turned to my broadcast partner and Tom Henson, and, and, and we, we said that was a bad shot. Or, you know, they I can't remember when they've had, say, a desperation shot at the end of a shot clock. They've been really disciplined offensively, and I think that's been – they're strong too. They've gone up. Those guards have gone up in some of the up against some of the best point guards in the nation with those those, those power schools that we mentioned. And actually, their assist to turnover ratio is is pretty darn good in those games. Um, again, a lot of this, a lot of this defensive lull thing that I mentioned a, a minute ago. That's that's want to. That that's that's you know get your head in the game kind of stuff. But Mike Young's historically pretty good about hammering that message home. Look, they know this is a big game. You know, kids read. Kids are on Twitter. They see everything. They see all the writers talking about the biggest mid-major game tonight and things like that. Um, I don't think anything about ETSU is going to surprise them. I think both teams know who they are right now, and it's just to come down to a, a matter of will and execution tonight. We're visiting with Jim Noble, play-by-play man of the Wofford Terriers here on Sandoz and the Sidekick. Uh, Jim, Jayback, uh, here a couple quick questions. We'll let you go. Matthew Pegram hadn't played the last two games. He, I thought he was instrumental uh, in several wins against ETSU and his physicality. Uh, number one, if you're allowed to, do you know his status of the game? And number two, Trevor Stump, uh, the situation with him uh, coming off his injury and adding a different dynamic to that team as well. Yeah, first of all, Pegram's out for tonight, definitely. Uh, he is targeting uh, maybe the Greensboro game next week, uh, and then more realistically, they may they may even hold about another two weeks and just try to get. They have a week off before they play Furman. After that, I think they really need Pegram back for the tournament. That's what they're they, they want to get him a few games before that too. But this was a pretty severe ankle sprain, and for a big guy, six eleven. Um, I don't know if big guys heal slower than little guys, but he's been in a walking boot for, for about a week. Um, and uh, we'll also be interested to talk to him tonight. Uh, I'm sure he'll travel up with the team and, and see how he's feeling. So so no Pegram. Um, so that means they're uh, they're really tall, skinny guys are going to have to come through. That's uh, people like Chavez Goodwin uh, and Kebe Aluma, who are both great rebounders, but not not the space eaters that Pegram is off the bench. As far as Trevor Stump, he's played two games now since missing the first 21 with uh, almost a congenital back problem. He had a herniated disc that required surgery right before the season started. He's rusted, but he's he, he, he's getting back in the rotation. He actually played 24 minutes his first game back at Mercer because Wofford was in such foul trouble, and that's about 14 minutes more than Mike Young wanted to play him. Uh, offensively, he's rusty. Defensively, he can, you know, he took a couple of charges. He played solid defense. He gives them a little bit different element now coming off the bench. I would say more so on the defensive side than offense right now. Jim, last couple uh, thoughts with you, and we'll let you go. Appreciate taking the time again. And uh, you, you look at some of this, and I like to, to, as the stats go, once you get about halfway through league play, I throw the, the non conference out and just look at conference only stats. And this looks like the matchup you'd imagine. It's the top two of the three scoring offenses, the top two teams scoring margin, top two teams field goal percentage. 
uh, one of the top two rebounding teams and uh, rebounding margin, field goal percentage defense, I think two of the top three. I mean, this has all the makings of a spectacular basketball game. And sometimes, you, you know, you, the Super Bowl is a good example. You expect uh, one of those games, and sometimes it's, it's maybe not. What do you expect to see tonight between Wofford and ETSU? It's funny you planted that Super Bowl seed uh, in my mind, and, and I'm thinking along the same lines. I think this is going to be a war of attrition. I, I really do. I think I think when there's so much focus on a game, some teams play tight, but I also think that they play with so much more intensity on the defensive side. I, I expect a fairly low-scoring game, you know, and you know, Whopper's averaging uh, you know 80-ish. I think this is going to be a game down in the in the in the high 50s or low 60s. I really, really do. Um, I, I just, I think that ETSU and Wofford are the two best teams in the conference. And take nothing away from Greensboro. You guys saw them play. Um, I think the Greensboro team that we saw in Greensboro, when Wofford led by 30 the whole game, I think that was just an aberration and off night. I think they're better than that. But I still give an edge to ETSU. I think I think the Bucks are the team that Wofford is most worried about the rest of this season and then when we get into the Southern Conference tournament. So it's it's not a – obviously since Wofford's given themselves a, a, a little bit of a cushion with this 11-0 conference start, I, I can't term it a must-win game, but you certainly, you know, want to get get that seeding. I, I don't think the, the, the perfect conference record is anything that anybody's talking about because I don't – I really don't think it's realistic with, with the games they have left to play. But if you can play, you know, ETSU one more, um, Greensboro one more, and Furman one more, which is what Wofford's got to play, if you could go two and one in that stretch, I think the Terriers would be absolutely thrilled with that. Jim, I love the way you think. We were literally just talking about in segment one how I think this game is going to be high 50s, low 60s, how that favors ETSU. <laughs> yeah, and you're also saying that you think that ETSU has a little bit of an edge. Firstly, I think Santos and the sidekick both love that thought process. And secondly, you and me see the game going almost exactly the same way, which does favor ETSU in the sense that you don't really want to get in a race with Wofford to high 70s, low 80s, correct? Yeah, it's funny. They're not a huge fast-break transition team, the Terriers. But what where they do is is – they will just if you if the points start piling up, I think that's where their outside shooting comes in. And we talked about McGee and we talked about Hoover, but they've also got some guys who are really, really efficient shooters from from outside. Storm Murphy, the point guard, Trey Hollowell comes off the bench just just starts shooting. Is like uh, Tom says he's like remember Vinnie Johnson, the microwave who used to play for the Pistons. He just comes up and, and, and starts knocking down a shot. So. If it turns into an offensive bag, yeah, I think the Terriers would be happy with that. If it's a grinder game, well, that's where they've had trouble. You know, Mercer grounded down in, 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 in Wofford's face and almost got a win. I think uh, Sanford, although that was a high-scoring game, Sanford beat the Terriers at, at a lot of their own tricks and, and, and forced a, an overtime game. It's, uh, you know, they, they had trouble with Furman, and, and Furman's just, you know, fundamentally sound. It's so is ETSU, so... I, I don't see either team blowing either one out of the building. Let me put it that way. Here, the last question, I'll let you go. Uh, last year, Fletcher McGee did something I thought was impossible. He gave the ETSU fans free Chick-fil-A for missing two consecutive <laughs> free throws. Chances that happens again today. Go. Well, here's the crazy thing. And, and by the way, I did see you post that on Twitter. That was good stuff. I, I, I'm doing my research. I've got to take since this is my first trip up there, I have to take everything into consideration. Fletcher's shooting, I think, almost 94% hmm. from the free throw line. 
where he's missed, he got. We were playing Kentucky Christian, uh, uh, you know, an NCCAA school way back in November, and Wofford's up by by twenty five in the first half, and Fletcher gets fouled on a three pointer, and he hadn't missed. Uh, he was something like twenty two for twenty two from the free throw line that year, so far in the year. He missed all three. Hmm. He missed all three. We couldn't believe it. About fell over. And then in the Greensboro game, uh, Greensboro got a technical. Mike Young sent Fletcher to the free throw line, and he missed both. And I think those might be his only missed free throws all year. They are his only five, so, 73 to 78. <laughs> so when they come, they come in bunches. So uh, who knows? You know, we, we have the same uh, the, the chicken deal at, at our place in Spartanburg, and it's so funny when, when, when a guy misses one, the, 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 the buzz you hear from the crowd, you hear a chicken 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 it, it, it's hysterical i didn't know what they were gonna do with the first time hence it never told me about it. It, it it and they and they boo if they hit the second one it, it's unbelievable but uh if i oh, heard I jim right he said uh free chick-fil-a for fletcher mcgee tonight is that what you said jim no i'm just kidding <laughs> just jim i appreciate it man safe travels we'll see you in uh, uh johnson city here in a couple hours getting ready for the game thank you we're looking forward to it thanks for having me all right, it's comments from Jim Noble. Steps out for a timeout. Crazy Coach joins us with the sound bites of the week. Right after this timeout, you're aware from Santos and Sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has three new hamburgers on the new made-to-crave menu. The barbecue cheeseburger, the sauce and bacon cheeseburger, and the peppercorn mushroom melt. They've got so much swagger, they'll change the way you think about hamburgers and the way you ride through our drive-thru. Maybe you'll lean your seat back a little. Maybe a lot. Maybe you'll roll your windows down. Or maybe your window's broken because you punched through it to get your hamburger faster. Try the three new hamburgers on Wendy's new made-to-crave menu and download the Wendy's app for craveable deals today. At Wendy's, we got you. At participating Wendy's. Mulliken Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulliken's prefinished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulliken Flooring. 
General Shale is proud to support ETSU basketball and Southern Conference fans everywhere. Want to make the most of game day? Now you can design your dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you design custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from up to 10 building types. Design with over 50 of our most popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with your friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks. But we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Brightridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Brightridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. I got 22 excuses, 11 on my offense and 11 on my defense. Our red zone defense is like Oprah. Like, you get a touchdown, you get a touchdown, you get a touchdown. We tried to recruit bigger, better players to come play for us, but they went to good schools. Oh, <laughs> uh, I got a bunch of mama's boys right now, and uh, we just won't buck up and bow our necks, and we got to get through that. We couldn't do diddly, poo, offensively. Mike, why are you in such a bad mood? What do you care? If you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood, too. Hello? You play to win the game. I just hope we can win a game. Well, we didn't block him, But we made up for it by not tackling. You've been Wallace and Mo Williams fell down there and the baby learning to walk. Oh, yeah, crazy coach, and the best part about it, he is in studio today. His first look at the new look studio, six weeks off, get this thing built, get over some uh, legal issues we had. Uh, we got that cleared up now. We're back on the airwaves here, the podcast, Sanders and the Sidekick. You're on the couch. You're looking at the beautiful soundproofing, a.k.a. leftover fill turf. You have to love the turf. But, uh, Don't be afraid to talk in the mic, coach. How far am I away here? There you go. There I mean, you go. Gracious. This is not the Rome show. I mean, come on. <laughs> Colin Cowherd. Feels I mean, like it, let's it? go. Feels I mean, like it. I need a better introduction or something. You know, a better introduction. I, a better I, introduction. I do, like, I do like the green turf. I think we need to upgrade that, maybe get the ETSU logo, the end zones in there, and then put a picture of me right there. I think that would be good. Has he earned a picture? First of all, you can tell a guy that's in the NBA and, and dealing with money's no object. Money's no object, right? He's been in the college ranks, been in the pro ranks. He's probably worked out middle school B-team girl. I, who knows what he's done Her in his life. probably like $10,000 yeah, yeah. just He's living in a world. He's, he's, I think he's a ghost writer at several sites. I'm not sure what, but obviously money is no object. He owns like seven houses, so wow. there you go. That's Let's awesome. get that straight. It's down to three. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to sell a couple of them. <laughs> yes. You never know, uh, but it's all good. It's great to be here, uh, Jay, Jerry. It's just fun to be here. You know, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry can the first. Jerry, sidekick. Jerry, <laughs> understand sidekick. Okay. Uh, you got to understand. You get name recognition when, when yeah. he's ready to give you name recognition. Yeah. You so. know, I don't think you ever called me by name on the show. That is true. I'm thinking back, reacting my brain. I don't think that's ever happened. My actual good. name, not Jerry. Well, you know. Now you can go by Jerry. I mean, that's <laughs> Jerry is a – Sandoz and the You Jerry. have to understand the story behind Jerry. It's a catch-up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's 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 inside, joke, inside jokes play really well on the radio. Yeah. I mean, you got to understand it. And, 
the four people listening, mo- three of them will get it because okay. they they've been with uh, the. They've been to Bainberry. They understand. They've been to Bainberry. Oh, hello, Bainberry. It's coming up in August. Yeah, yeah I got to make it this year. Yeah, I got to make it. It's so always better when yeah. somebody, yeah, Jerry, somebody doesn't right. make it, and I get scholarship. What's our first one? I remember going in and seeing Coach. I don't know if he remembers this, but I was a rookie, and it was like eleven o'clock at night, walking out at the same time, and I probably said maybe three words to him at the time. Before that, I was on the team for like six months. I just looked at him because I saw him on the treadmill. Watching film at ten o'clock at night, I go, Coach. You know, sure like football, huh? He goes, it Beats being a plumber. We'll see you tomorrow. I think Julian might have misquoted me. Um, I, I mean, I have a ton of respect for um, plumbers. I can't barely turn the water on myself, so those people do a great job. And um, anyway, Julian Edelman, Bill Belichick. So my question is, and why I ran this bite, do you think Bill Belichick really said that about plumbers? and now is somehow backtracking because he doesn't want his plumber to get mad at him. I 100% believe he said that. Because I always say, you know, when you're working in professional sports, it's fantasy land, and they have no idea. If you're somebody like, okay, you went to Division One school, end up in the NFL, end up in coaching, you know, they have no idea what real life is right like. So I can hear him saying that, not and saying, hey, you know, and he's probably right. Turning on the water on and off in his house, that's probably what he does at, at the max because he's just a nut job when it comes to time management. You know, he's staying in the office until the job is done. And that's how that's how those guys get there. I mean, you have to be able to block everything out, and that's what they do. And But I 100% believe he said that about the plumber. Well, and technically, you don't even have to turn water on and off in your house anymore, right? I mean, you have those where you can just put your hands under and boom, it's on. You're not technically turning it on and off. It's got the motion sensor and everything, and certainly someone that's Bill Belichick been super successful and has made millions upon millions upon tens of millions of dollars can afford a system like that. I guarantee you well, he would struggle. He would struggle with that. Right. If his wife did that one day, came home, and switched it off to the sensor, <laughs> I would love to be there. I mean, he'd be calling the plumber like in five minutes. I wanted to know what happened. You're, you're a Patriots guy, Jay. Do you think that Bill Belichick is one of those that struggles with the new era of technology? Is he still a pencil and paper type person, or is he adapted? I, I would say the video side of it took him a long time. Mm. That would be my guess. Like, uh, you know, there are guys um, – I think oh I'm just thinking a couple of years ago when 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 synergy for college basketball and pro basketball was big because you got all these clips but yet you would have Murray Barto who would still watch DVDs because he liked having the clicker in his hand going through the game so certain got so in football they've got what they call the cowboy clicker and it's one of those that you've seen all the time if you watch the John Gruden thing where they rewind and they go fast and it's all just a massive clicker that basically just depends on how you move your thumb it's like a joystick mm. but it's very I've tried to use it it is complicated it takes you a while to learn it but I think it took football coaches so long to learn that that uh, some of these video services have tried to figure out how to make that and they haven't they've got all these buttons and I think the older coaches like Carl Torbush good example like he's still on the cowboy clicker he had to but that new system of video technology didn't work with it, so you got to right. figure out. So I think it took him probably a while to adapt to that. The other question is, how often do you think uh, you know rookies kind of have that conversation with a coach, and how important do you think that was for a guy, any guy like Julian Edelman, 
to see his head coach spending that much time still studying and doing and leaving at 11 p.m. That probably helped Julian beyond what you can say because you don't see that kind of work in the NFL uh, because you're so separated. Like, okay, you come in and you do your workout, right? You go to the video room. You, you see the 10 to 15 to 20-minute clips that they give to the players, right? They don't see that the coaches spent, you know, by the time they get to the 16th game, right, they have clips from all 16 games, but then they organize them in, okay, the last four games, this is what they've done, the last eight games, but crunch time situation, they'll send up four or five plays for the defensive player or the offensive player to see what the defensive team is in. So, yeah, they have no clue nowadays how long that takes. I mean, you look at the players on any level, uh, the great players study film on their own, right? They'll, they'll get the clips, but they'll also ask for all the other clips, and that'll put them in a whole different level, and that's, that's what separates guys. And I think, uh, going to your point, I think two, two of the best baseball players of my lifetime were known film guys. One was Tony Gwynn. And he was the first guy to really, like, wear out the film study of him versus pitcher. And then Greg Maddox was the other guy. So maybe the greatest hitter of my lifetime and maybe the greatest pitcher, of, uh, you know, uh, of my lifetime. But, and they studied film way before baseball. That was popular. Now baseball does study that. But before, it was unusual for a guy to go to a video room and, like, hey, can you clip out all my bats versus this guy? How did he work me? And, he, you know, take notes and do percentage. Now it's, it's all touch, right? And so how much do you think? And we'll get to the next part. How much do you think sometimes teams will do things late in the game when it's a meaningless game just to change the percentage because some coaches are just looking for percentage. So, for an example, zone defense. Like maybe they don't play zone defense a lot, but late in the game it's 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 out of hand. They may play a couple possessions of zone, so it just changes percentages late. I think more probably it's more than people would think. Just like you said, just to add to – that, okay, dang it, I have to be ready for this. And and it's all about your self-confidence. Like, okay, if I'm not ready for this and they throw that zone and we're in like a third and seven and they don't know it, and then the offensive coordinator goes, wait a minute, you, where's – I didn't get this. You know, where, where is that coming from? So, yeah, I think they do it all the time. I mean – Basketball, I know we do it. You'd all of a sudden like, hey, let's throw in the one three one or two three late in the game, just so they have to be prepared for it. Which might take them only five seven minutes of practice, but that's also five seven minutes of practice they didn't get to work on our good stuff. Right, and in college, you're limited time. I mean, pros you practice. I know that labor they, they've shortened it up, but you still have more time to practice than yeah. pros you do. College, college, you got two hours a day, so I, know, I mean, you may not have time to work on all that. And there's no – I mean, in the NFL, the players get a day off, like on Sundays or Mondays. But the coaches, I mean, when you're in that business, they're – it's a 24-7, you know, all the time. I mean, you don't have days off, and you're trying to get to that one big final game. So. I just love the fact that he said, I've been here six months, and I've said like three words to my head coach. The reality of an organization that big. We don't have any more audio ones this week. We want to stick with the Super Bowl, though, because – I saw leading into the game, there apparently is this thing called a get-back coach. Have you heard of a get-back coach? And apparently every NFL organization has one. Ted Raft is the St. Louis Rams, pardon me, Los Angeles Rams at this point. I'm moving about five years ago. 
get back coach. And I kind of wondered, read up on it some more, he's like the director of strength and conditioning or something like that. So on game day, he's just the big muscular guy to make sure that Sean McVay doesn't streak out onto the field and punch somebody in the face. He was unavailable during the Super Bowl, had been with the team the entire year, but for health reasons apparently couldn't make the trip to Atlanta for the biggest game of their season, and obviously we know the result of that game. Ted Rath, the get-back coach, which is a hilarious enough premise in my mind on its own, but are you buying any thought that perhaps the game did not go the way Los Angeles would have liked because things were amiss, Coach? No, uh, not really, but if it was Lee Morrow, I could understand that. <laughs> it, it would change. That was his it, job for many years. Yeah. It's Alan Johnson's job now. You know, And I think it's a... It's it's one of those everybody has one now, and I think I don't understand it. Get off the field, a ref throws a flag, get it over with. But it's part of the uh, the myth of goes around coaching now. You know, the head coach is running out there. You know, Belichick have one. Oh, every team does. You know, I've never seen somebody touch Bill well, Belichick. Now, I feel like well, he's now we'll say this. Now McVeigh, because he tends to get out there. Moore has asked his guy, and actually it's for him not to bump in the official because if, if you bump in the official, even inadvertently, it's a penalty. Right. So his main job is to keep him away from the official. A lot of get-back coaches are to keep the players in that there's that three-yard, right, where it's the, the big white line and then they got the stripes. We're supposed to stand in stripes, not in the big white area. It's a three-yard area there that nobody's supposed to be in. And a lot of times the get-back coach is just getting players uh, away and backing them up and, and getting to go. And it's not as big in NFL because – they spend so much time working on as soon as they come off the field in college where you got, you know, 40 guys that aren't going to see the field all day, but they're still in uniform. You've got to worry about are those guys going to interfere and cost the team 15 yards for no reason. So the get-back coach is not normally for the head coach, at least from what I've seen. So I I saw the whole piece on that, and I yeah. thought that was interesting. That it's like that a personalized one. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's all over. I mean, like. Jim Harbaugh is probably one of the most – I mean, he's gotten many opinions. He probably needs one. Like, somebody's put him on a leash. And there's a there's a couple guys like that. Pro NFL coaches usually aren't – and even in an NBA. In the NBA, you know, a lot of the coaches sit down until they need to stand up and yell. In college basketball, the head coach is standing up yelling on every play. Something's always wrong, right? There's always a chirping about something, working the officials or whatever. But in the program, I, I don't think it's as much as it is in the college game for whatever reason. Most famously, where was Mike Tomlin's get-back coach? Remember that where he oh, was the Baltimore did a kick yeah, return, yeah, kick turned, return. Yeah. But he was kind of looking up the side of his face, you know. It was incredible. <laughs> well, yeah, no. Where's Woody Hayes? Woody threw a haymaker. <laughs> yeah, that was player, good. So that's a hey, quick, quick. Let's go back to the video. The funny thing is, I remember watching Peyton Manning like in his last year at Denver. He still used paper. Oh yeah, yeah. It was awesome. He would go Pure. sit on the sidelines and use, you know, going flipping through the paper. And the guy next to him is on a. You can't say iPad. It's got to be uh whatever. It whatever is, they tablet, use. They, the, I mean, they the they actually got on all the announcers for calling them iPads. So they. The surface, the Microsoft yeah. surface. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But he would go through the paper, and the guy next to him was looking at him doing this. So it was awesome. So, it, yeah. It was interesting because when I went to the uh, uh, Redskin-Texans game this year, the suite we were in was in between both coaches' boxes. And, again, I've been next to many of college uh, uh, football coaches' boxes, and the college box is different. There's a lot of uh, pounding the table and yelling and headset throwing and all that, and the pro game because they can use those tablets now they have to cut up the video as it happens and send it down it was the most silent coach's box i've ever seen in my life there was no, even if they didn't convert a fourth down 
Nobody made any sign positive, negative. They were just immediately cutting, sending stuff down, talking to people. It was amazing to see the difference in the pro game and what pro coaches worry about and what college coaches worry about. And I don't know if it's because you've been on several different levels. What is the biggest difference and why college coaches, and just from a head coach perspective, why do they feel the need to stand up, walk, and complain about every single thing where the NBA guys, they do complain, but they it seems to be a, when a complaint is needed. Well, you think the college guys would stand up for 100 games? If there was 100 <laughs> games instead of 25? Back-to-back nights, yeah. all that, sure. Back-to-back nights, flying out. So you you're know. saying NBA guys aren't in shape. Yeah, or is so college guys aren't in shape. College okay. guys aren't in shape. We don't want to go with the local guy and get him involved in that conversation, but we'll go from there. Yeah, I, I just think, plus – College guys, and, and I tell people the huge difference between professional sports and college sports is, as a college coach, you probably spend 25 to 30% of your time on the sport. Then you have to spend all the other time on academics, recruiting, doing, getting your travel right, you know, all that stuff. Now... You know, it's it's probably different now at the ACC and the Big Ten because you look on the bench now, there's 37 guys. I evaluate teams by the number of guys in coach now. You know, I so say, look, that must be a good program. There's 18 guys in coach and ties. But it, it's the time difference. You know, that, and your only goal is to win the football game. You don't worry about, hey, this is a 19-year-old kid. What's he doing last night? You know, boom, you screw up in the NFL, especially in the NFL. You know, because there's no guaranteed contracts. You know, basketball and pro and baseball is a little different because you've got the guaranteed contracts. But in the NFL, you screw up, man, you're cut. So it's it's the time frame, and that's you got one goal, and that's all that matters. I think very big of you, crazy coach, to hear Jay Sandoz go after you for living this extravagant lifestyle and then talk about going to a suite at an NFL game. And you you reserve yourself, and you don't go after him. Well, very I did, good. but I, did, I want to bring up the fact that I usually when he does something like that, one of the all-time great coaches is a friend of mine, and he's like the line coach for the uh, Redskins. I would have had him on the sidelines. You know, he can call talk sweets, <laughs> so I would have had him on the sidelines. Could have been better. Okay, final one. Uh, the San Diego Fleet, which are a team in the AAF. We probably talked way too much AAF considering I've gotten rebuffed like four times and trying to get someone from the AAF on this week. But the San Diego Fleet's president, it's one of the eight teams in the league, on the San Antonio matchup they've got coming up, this weekend, he says, we hate San Antonio. I want to destroy them. No mercy. We're going to run up the score anything we can. We're going to beat the blank out of them. Do you buy or sell hating a team that you have never played in a league that technically still does not exist and has never played a game? 100% buy it. You know why? There is all this love and all these sports now. Guys hugging, you know. He's so anti the hugging the handshake. Hug man. And he the hands hates it. I, I was in a situation one time. This is just one of the greatest things I got to do in my professional life, where I was involved in a. Uh, it was like a group of thirty guys, and we and we were listening to different guys, different coaches. Um, we listened to a GM. We listened to a guy that's been scouting for thirty years. We listened to like a ticket guy, and they were talking about all aspects of the sport. And the one guy stood up and go, got any questions? And it was to Pat Riley. And he said, Pat, now I know you were talking about something in a trade with the Pacers. He goes, never happened. 
the, the guy goes, never happened. He goes, yeah, Larry Bird's a Celtic. I'm a Laker. It don't happen. We will not do it. <laughs> you, you don't hate the person, but you hate the team. you got to hate the team. All this, hey, you know, I, I can't stand it, you know. I, I've been involved in sports where I went to school. I still hate the one team. Okay, but Riley and Bird have history. This guy in December made these comments two and a half months ahead of the league even starting. So he doesn't even know what the final roster looks like. Who's even on the final roster? He knows maybe a guy in the front office, but he says, nope, San Diego, San Antonio, we hate each other. I cannot believe and understand how those comments can leave someone's mouth when the teams haven't even met before. I'm fine with that. You're you're good, but that's sort of like a, hey, that's why you get called Jerry right there. You know? Come Thinking on, too Jerry. rationally. You have yeah. to Thinking understand. too rationally. You just got using your brain. He's you marketing. You got to create the hate. You got to create people the do like watching. That is true. Some ill will. Watch this. Watch this. Hey, second. Watch this. Jay. Yeah. I heard you got a job at UTC. I'm gonna punch you in the face. See, he's not going there. No. Would take twenty thousand more. Twenty, th- you know, no. more than that. Yeah, see, more than that. So he does have a part, so you like that, Jerry? <laughs> yeah, he more than that. So, you know? so, so what you are saying though is he does not believe what he's saying. It is marketing. Oh, it's it. You you have to believe it, but it is marketing. I okay. wonder. I wonder if the question is going off your thought of the Riley Bird conversation. Who? What was the GM's name again? I don't know. Okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm just wondering if him and somebody from San Antonio does have uh, any type of heat or. Or was he playing in the USFL for San Antonio one time and got cut and just hates the city in general? I, I don't know, but what is the AAF? The Alliance of American Football. It starts this weekend. Oh, okay. Kind of like a feeder system. See, this is why they should have people on our show. Then people will know. No one knows what the AAF we is. We thought right because they're a startup league, they may join the podcast, yeah. and uh, we've been rebuffed. Four is that times. the one with um, Spurrier yes. coaching? It? Yes, oh, okay. down in Orlando. He, his people declined. He was one of the ones that said no. Really? <laughs> yes. No, we haven't got to him. I got to call. Uh, yeah, we call uh, his brother. Yeah, 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 go Graham. Uh, you know, we, we've got an ace and hole. Let's get Graham in. I mean, ace and hole. He'll, he'll know. I mean, you got to love Graham because you're driving down the street past Science Hill, and forever there was a Florida. Yeah. Then all of a sudden it's a Redskins. Redskins. And then all of a sudden it was South Carolina. South Carolina. You know. I wonder if he's going to make it to the AAF. We'll yeah, got to have it. Man. If he don't, tradition. We, we got to hang it. We got to go down there, and get one, and put it up. All right, uh, crazy coach. Appreciate it. Hope great you enjoy day. the new digs. All right. Help him with the old Jerry thing. Okay? All right. Four quarters, other side. Santa's sidekicks is Buccaneers Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands free faucets, high performance gas ranges, or low decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecue, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game, The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving. 
Keep on traveling and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay and F, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. Firstbank.com, member FDIC. Look, if you're like me, you got a lot to remember. Like, remember to pick up some refreshingly cold lemon-lime Mountain Dew ice. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, here's my trick. If it's a nice day, I think nice rhymes with ice. And that reminds me, I better get some Mountain Dew ice. Or if someone asks me for the time, I think time rhymes with lime, like in lemon-lime. If I work at it, anything can remind me to get to the store and get myself some Mountain Dew ice. Mountain Dew ice. Remember to get some. Welcome back to Smooth 92.2. I'm Dr. Love, and I want to hear the secret to your romantic success. We've got Brian on the line. Bry guy, what do you do? Well, I wanted to spice things up, so I surprised my wife with instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Ooh, and did those work, Brian? You know they did, Dr. Love. It doesn't take a relationship expert to know you can't go wrong with February instant games. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. One, two, three, four. Four quarters. Four quarters. Four quarters. Four quarters. Four quarters. Sanderson the sidekick. Four quarters. Trey Adams is up. What's up, guys? Hey, guys. Doing all right, enough small talk. Let's right. get to uh, the Let, uh, let's first get right quarter. to it. All right, the first quarter, quarter number one. Will Fletcher McGee give fans free Chick fil A for a second year in a row tonight? Yes, yes. The all second right. quarter, <laughs> quarter number two. Will Erica Haynes Overton record a triple double on Saturday against Chattanooga? In fairness, we discovered yesterday there's a, a girl that has two quadruple doubles. So we feel a little shaded. So since I've read that, I'm going yes. I need one because I predicted two before the Oh, yeah, I'm going to say no. So yeah, uh, so I'm going to say, no. say yes. Third quarter. All right. The thoughts on the rumor of Bob Stoops becoming Dallas's head coach slash GM in the XFL. Oh, I love, love it. it. Love it. It's a Vince McMahon heel turn right on top of the AAF's weekend. Can't get enough of it. So I think... Uh, yes, that's going to happen. Yes, Vince McMahon is a genius. And, yes, the XFL puts the AAF out of business within and, three and years. Of course, I would say that because I hate the AAF. And because the ties of Oklahoma, Jerry Jones will eventually hire him. Go. Boom. The fourth quarter. And last but not least, one play, one sports play that you know you could do that you could win $100,000 at, like a, a golf shot, a single, whatever. I don't know if I have any. <laughs> Is Nerf basketball allowed? I'm pretty solid at that. I think the Doze Twins might have a better chance at Nerf basketball. Oh, they look pretty impressive. They look yeah. impressive. Yeah, I don't. You're pretty good at Madden. Yeah. You're on the I needed to gain, If I needed to kill a whole quarter of Madden, I could do that. I don't think there's anything I could do. I used to be good at sports, and now my body is old and frail, much like yours, Sandoz. I, I don't have any athletic talent left at all. I could lay there like a sloth on a... Rock. You could be the guy that would fall over late in the game, get injured, kill some clock, let it waste away. That'd be that, everyone needs that. I'm always good for a good drive on the 18th hole. It's like it takes me 17 holes to get loose, and then I finally unleash a good drive. So, if I could just have a good drive on 18 to 100,000, I'd probably do it. Boom! All right, center sidekick, back here. Sports. 